This is the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel with Neil Fitzmorris, bringing you all the big news and even bigger views on Liverpool FC. Hello and welcome to another episode of Poetry in Motion with me, Neil Fitz, uh, joined by uh, two big hitters from the, uh, the Liverpool Echo, um, who helped me keep on the straight and narrow with regards to talking everything Liverpool Football Club. It is Marcus Banks and Joe Rimmer. Hello, Joe first. Give us a big hello. Hey, Neil, you OK? I'm all right, mate. I'm loving the beard and muzzy combo. You can't really see this, obviously. You can only imagine this. If, if you're out there walking your dogs across a lovely field or something, or you're, you're having a little wander down the promenade or whatever, just imagine it. I don't know, he looks like a young Brian Blessed. A young Brian? Well, uh, I don't think that's a compliment, really, is it? I don't, no, I don't it's know. not. It wasn't meant to be. I'm um, certainly not as loud. You just got to go, Edmund! Um, or dive! <laughs> Um, also joining us, the very youthful, very young, showing us how it should be, Marcus Banks. How are you, Marcus? Not bad, you. I'm not bad at all. You're both handsome dudes, actually. To be honest with you, I'm just, I'm just insanely jealous at your youth and and, and uh, exuberance. How's that? We can tell because you've got your gym always in the background. Listen, you've always got your gym in the background just to show that's us just that you do use the paper. Gym. There's no gym there. That's yeah, the beauty yeah. of it. It's like uh, when you're on user ten and they've got their bookcases that's just wallpaper in the background. <laughs> yeah. um, so listen, first and foremost, uh, thank you once again for tuning in. Um, uh, we really appreciate your support on all the Blood Red Umbrella shows, of course. Alain Rouge, um, myself uh, with the Poetry Motion and all of that, the uh, analysis shows, the analytics and all, all, all the, uh, the shows. We really appreciate your support in what has been, uh, well, quite frankly, one of the worst seasons I can remember. It's just been bonkers. I mean, in keeping with... With, with with how it's been lately, you know, and, and how it's been in the world, let's say, um, after ro- a remarkable season last year that just sort of spearheaded three of, a three-season campaign, really, that was incredible. Um, we've just gone to this. It's just an awful, can't wait to end season. Um, uh, obviously, before the the, 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 um, the, the protests on Sunday, the, the kind of kiboshed the United game. Before that, I mean, I think we played Newcastle, I think, the last time we played at Anfield. Uh, was it at Anfield? I can't even remember anymore where we played them. It was an absolutely diabolical game anyway. And yet again, another display of Liverpool just, just not just not seizing the chances, um, squandering leads, um, being allowed back into the game with a, with a, with a, a, a decision that's probably going to be kiboshed anyway at the end of the season. This, the handball rule gets changed seemingly game after game. Um, we get a reprieve with, with, with plus on the clock and we still can't see a game home. This has been the complete antithesis of everything we were last season, Joe River, has it not? It's exactly that, yeah. I mean, Newcastle is a funny one, isn't it? I was looking back, I think it was two two years yesterday, since I remember Origi's flick tether. Yeah. That, um, was, I think it was one game before the end of the season to keep Liverpool in the title race, put them top. Obviously, City tipped them that year, but it was just that, that win at Newcastle just encapsulated everything that Liverpool were about. The never-say-die attitude. They went ahead twice, got pegged back twice. Salah went off injured and they still managed to win the game. There were players in the squad like Origi and Sturridge who played. Shaqiri played the ball in for that goal who were, were coming in and, and making an impact. And of course, a few days later, they went and beat Barcelona 4-0. And then on the flip side, just recently, you have Newcastle coming back in the 96th or 7th minute or whatever it was. And... Um, I'm pegging Liverpool back. And, and the worst part about it is Marcus and I were working that day. And I think Marcus 
messaging me like midway through the second half saying it's just got 1-1 written all over this and we all knew it was coming we all knew it was coming and then Newcastle scored that goal it was it was ruled out which was so so harsh um, and then they went and scored anyway uh, how they managed to still score with just seconds remaining they, but they did do it and it just underlined what a farcical season this has been for Liverpool and just just get us get it finished please God get it finished and, and let's just try and wipe the slate clean and, and start again next year and I think there is going to have to be a, a real bit of soul searching in the summer and you know the either Liverpool have a bit of a clear out and bring in some new players or these some of these players remember who they are because they're better than this and they've proven so many times that they've, they've got a better mentality than what they're showing at the moment because they just folded under the pressure at Newcastle and you can't do that. Not not where Liverpool want to be. Um, and I think the season's taken its toll on them. So, you know, they, they do have sort of a few excuses with the way the season's gone and the injuries and, and everything that's piled up but they need to get back in the summer and remember who they are because they're much better than this. Well, that's right, Joe. You're absolutely right with that. And Marcus, I mean, what sums that up is, like you just said, you know, it seemed to be game after game after game last season that they were just doing doing what had to be done, doing what was required. It might have been a nil-niller that he's pipped or it might have been a one-niller that was pegged back and then they pipped. The Newcastle game being, being the perfect example of that, you know, when they pipped it back and... And, and it's that belief, isn't it? It's that belief and those players that were coming into the fringe and just just seemingly carrying on that that wonderful kind of confidence. It's it's all being eked away, isn't it? Do you think do you think there is a possibility, Marcus? And I, I can't help but feel really sorry for this team, you know, because because their achievement last season has been completely and utterly wiped out in every sense of the word. I mean, not just physically, because we haven't been able to to, to celebrate that incredible success of, of a 30-year wait. We're not going to now because it would be it would be ridiculed if we tried to to somehow snatch some sort of, you know, parade out of what we haven't got. Um, you kind of feel really sorry and wonder whether that is that is part of the reason why, why we're getting these kind of performances from this team who feel a little bit aggrieved and robbed. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely got to be a factor. It's, it's like... You look, you look at the celebrations after the league title was confirmed and this is a, a group of, Klopp likes a, a tight-knit group, a, a team who've fought for each other for the last three years of non-stop. And to, to show that mental resilience to to be knocked back in the Champions League final in 2018, to go again in 2019 and win it, to be so close to winning the Premier League title that year, you know, a record, record points total for a second-place team, to be so close to... to best in a Pep Guardiola Manchester City team and then to go on and do it the year after again and go on and win the title after three years to, to not be able to have some sort of recognition and, and connect with the fans and like you saw how much the parade meant to Klopp on that day so I think I think it is a it's a combination of a lot of things and I think that that definitely will be a factor I think I think Joe mentioned about the the Origi goal and you know that 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 did epitomize Liverpool last season but I think though, like you said, like you said about the fringe players, they haven't been there for Liverpool this season. Liverpool haven't had that that goal off the bench. I think it does a statistic. I know you've missed a few games with injury. I don't think Shakiri, Oxley, Chamberlain, and uh, Arigi have got a Premier League goal this season. And I think Liverpool's midfield as a whole has only got. I saw it on Twitter. It's got like a ridiculous stat of like three goals or three or four goals in midfield this season in the league, which is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, you think about the players at the top end of the pitch, Mane and Firmino in particular being out of form. I think that's that's where Liverpool's lack of goals and uh, issues at the top end of the field stem from, really. 
you have to you have to just ditch my headphones realizing they're not actually doing anything at all um <laughs> um but we used to say there marcus uh, and i'll bring this to you joe you, marcus is just sort of the fringe players um haven't been doing it let's face it the, the on the on field players have been the problem this season with liverpool joe not so much the people coming on to relieve them but um you know the front three have been absolutely woeful, haven't they? And I know that we've, I know that we've got obviously in, in Mohamed Salah, we have this enigma of someone who's still kind of up there with the goal stats when it comes to the Golden Boot and 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 and, and, and the actual league. But his his goal to chance ratio must be horrendous. Um, Mane has just been absent without leave for a long, long time. And in Firmino, I think we have a midfielder, really. Let's be honest with you. I mean, there is absolutely no pace in that kid whatsoever. Uh, he has wonderful touches. I don't deny that. He has a brilliant brain. Um, but there, there is nothing, there's no break with, with Bobby Firmino on the ball that's going to get anywhere past the halfway line without being recovered by the other team because he just doesn't see. He's like running in treacle. So then, really speaking, we can talk about the fringe players not really doing it, but the fringe players have to have something on the pitch to aspire to, don't they, Joe? And that's been that's been remarkably missing by 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 the front three for, for most of this season. I see what you mean. I, but I do think the fringe players play into that by not being able to to come in and relieve those players when they're in poor form. You know, I think Mane is a good good example because you know he has had probably his, his worst season at Liverpool so far and you know a number of factors have contributed to that. But you know, whereas in the past, um, you know, granted we've had, we've had Jota who's done very well, although he did miss a couple of months due to injury. But the likes of Origi, Oxide Chamberlain, Shakiri had been had been options in the past, and there'd been people that came on when certain people weren't playing well or when they needed a break, and and contributed. But now, you know, Mane's playing games where he doesn't come off. Origi, you know, we've not seen Origi. He perhaps he has an injury, but. He's not played. Shakiri's been conspicuous by his absence. Oxley Chamberlain, we've barely seen him. And, you know, there's, there's not those options to relieve those players. And I think they are tired. I think, you know, the, the football has taken its toll on them over the past few years. And, you know, you, you look at the champions in Waiting City and, and all right, it's hard to compare to them because of the, the amount of money that they've spent up to, to get the squad that they have. But even United, you know, have had people like Cavani coming in and they... They can change up their team every week. They have so many options. You know, look at Mares last night becoming, you know, coming to the fore again as, as a real quality player in a big, big occasion. And Liverpool just don't have that option at the moment. They they just have to go again with Mane. They have to go again with Firmino and they have to go again with Salah, even when those guys are struggling. Um, so I just think it's, you know, I think whilst they, they do need big players, I think they need a new midfielder. Obviously, Wijnaldum's going. I think they need, need a new centre-half and they, they possibly need another option up front. They also need to... The likes of Shakiri, Origi are coming to the... Oxlade-Chamberlain perhaps are coming to the end of their time at the club and will need to be replaced as well because Liverpool need to have bench players. They need to have players and a good squad. And, and any team that is champions has players that come in and make contributions at big times of the season. Um, and Liverpool just don't have that at the moment. So... I think there's a combination of factors. Yes, I take your point. I don't think that the front three or players in other areas of the pitch have done well, but it's not aided by the fact that they just don't really have anyone else to turn to. And it's, it's tough at the moment, but I think that's where in the summer there's going to be a lot of work to be done. Poetry in motion on the Blood Red Channel. I think what we're steering towards, whether we like it or not, I mean, at the end of the day, 
there is always a conversation that is had between uh, Liverpool fans and any football fans in 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 whether you want your team to dominate or whether you want your team to to upset. Um, and Liverpool have certainly upset over the last three seasons. They've upset the balance of of of, of where the other teams thought they'd be. But there certainly is no kind of, and we 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 would have been forgiven for thinking last year and the season before that Liverpool fans I heard a lot of them and me being one of them with, with with the kind of strike force we had saying this is a, we can we could go on to dominate. I think the reality setting in now is to to, to dominate in, in a league that we're in. I mean Man United, Man City now are one game away from a uh, a European and domestic double uh, that we very nearly did a couple of seasons ago. But to dominate in this field it, it takes a spending cap that we just don't have. I mean because what Joe's saying there about City, and it's right, but when you see the Marises, I mean, they snatched Marais easily from Leicester when other when a lot of other teams, including Liverpool, were in for them. Um, the Fernandezes of the Man United to the world, all Timo Werners, these are all these are all players that Liverpool have been linked with, but but have <coughs> never gone through Bayern because because unfortunately, this I say unfortunately, it's a tricky one because we don't there's a purity to the way Liverpool did it that are liked. Uh, I know there were some big signs, but but you're not going to compete with the Man Cities of the world when when you can't afford to have a Jesus sitting on the bench for Naguera. I mean, that's simply what it is now, isn't it? We we don't have that. We have an uh, we have an Origi sitting on the bench for a Mane, and I think the problem with that is that we we had this thing where who's going to come to Liverpool and sit on the bench with them from three? Well, if you pay enough money, they'll come. And and, and I think that's where this argument comes round. It's again now, Marcus, isn't it? Of of they are spending tears in a completely different stratosphere. Yeah, it's. I mean, FSG's approach to to running the club is the. Super League decisions and all the moral decisions aside, from a financial point of view, you know it's it's definitely we know it's it's lived within your means and it's sustainable and it's it's leaves the the club in a good financial health. But that that type of business model is not sustainable if you want to dominate, as you say, if you want to dominate the league, you need to spend money year on year. Like you look at Manchester City in the summer last year after you know having having the success they've had in recent years, they might have fell short in the Champions League, but they they have dominated domestically. The uh, identified the issues and what did he do again? Throw money at it. I mean, and he and he fair play to them. They they actually got it right and signing Ruben Diaz. They've solved the defensive issues, but Ruben Diaz comes in, transforms John Stones, and you've got Ahmed Laporte, who's another what sixty fifty million pound defender sat on the bench. You've got fifty million pound Benjamin Mendy sat on the bench. You've got the lucky that they've got Phil Foden coming in and he he's, he keeps what Bernardo Silva on the bench every other week another fifty million pound player so it it is it's a completely different different ball game and Liverpool have now got to find a way to to another creative solution to solving that issue be that Harvey Elliott coming in being that giving giving some more youngsters a chance but I think I think there's a time where P- FSG have got to you know bite the bullet so to speak and and provide Klopp with some funds I think we've had. In my opinion, two years of underinvestment in the squad, um, which is which has compounded the issues that Liverpool have faced this season. I think this summer can be the time to right those wrongs, be that a, a marquee signing or four or five key quality players. Because City are City are not going to not spend if the if the rumours are true, and you know, Erling Haaland is a if if they sign Haaland, then their squad is just going to get if if Haaland comes in for Aguero, then. I don't even know what to say about the strength of their squad and a manager like Pep Guardiola and, and Manchester Manchester United are probably going to do the same. They're going to spend as well and on, on build on top of what already is 
in my opinion, a squad that should be doing much better than I know that the second in the league, but Manchester United squads in terms of depth and quality is arguably better than Liverpool's. Maybe not in terms of you know pure starting starting eleven if everyone's fit, but in terms of the options they've got, and like Donny Van der Beek doesn't play every game, Paul Pogba hasn't has been in the periphery for most of the season. You've got Cavani coming in and starting for the Mason Greenwood coming through, and then you've got even even options like Daniel James. At least he's a pacey winger. Liverpool just don't have the players to to rotate to to switch things up and to provide anything different. You can sort of name the Liverpool starting next side with everyone's fit uh, before the team's even announced. Yeah, it seems even more cruel, Joe, doesn't it? The fact that, from what Marcus is just saying there, we're also, don't forget, you know, we hang a hell of a lot on on, on players like Jordan Henderson, who are no, no spring chickens anymore. Um, there is definitely now, it seems to be... Um, the, a clear out and, and, a, and an acquisition of of of, of several uh, new players into the side is the only way we can move forward. Is is Klopp the kind of manager though who who can go to FSG and say, look, we we need a lot of money here, or or I think I, I, it, 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 he's very much integral to that to that. Let's see what we can get for what we can get kind of premise, isn't he? In which case, it's even more cruel we haven't been able to celebrate the season because it. The way things are going, we could be back to to to, to being in a queue again to, to win another one. Definitely, Liverpool just have to, as Marcus is, is just about Man City because of the way they spend every year. And Man United spend every year, Chelsea spend every year. You know they they had the transfer ban, didn't they? But when when that isn't when that wasn't enforced, they still spend every year. So Liverpool just have to constantly be clever, and you know that's why we celebrate Michael Edwards and the scouting department so much because they have been clever and they have. You know, move people on at the right times and move people in on the right times. So they're going to have to do that again. And I, I can't imagine FSG are going to come along and go, "Here's two hundred million. They just don't work like that. I think Liverpool are going to have to say, "Well, we will sell X, Y, and Z, clear a bit of the wage bill, bring in bring in some fees, and look at players that perhaps you know isn't Erling Haaland, but someone that, that could be the next Erling Haaland." And it makes it all that bit harder. But it's the way Liverpool operate and. You know, I still think they've got the manager to do it. I still think they've got a director of football in Michael Edwards who's proven time and time again that he can pick those players. Um, you know, but it is going to be more difficult. You know, City are going to be stronger again. I think we've got to accept from a Liverpool point of view that you're not going to compete and win the league or win the Champions League every season. You know, City are going to be there. They're going to be a constant all the time because of the way they spend. But Liverpool, you know, you're going to have seasons where you fall away a little bit, but... They just can't afford to fall away too much. Uh, not getting the Champions League is a worry because who do you attract? It means you have to be clever again. But, you know, Liverpool, the last time they went in the Champions League, they signed Mane and Wijnaldum. You know, they weren't too bad signings, were they? So they've got to try and make those types of creative signings again and um, and keep themselves up there. But it's a big, big challenge. I don't quite know how they do it, but a lot, a lot of clever people work at the club and they're going to have to work their magic, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, do you think there's a possibility, Marcus, that in the close season and the season's coming, uh, in order for Liverpool to do that, there's going to be, you know, sell uh, uh, the sale of any one of the top front three? Uh, it's, it's obviously a very difficult <laughs> issue because you, you'd think that... Not that if, anyone would want to buy them at the moment. <laughs> well, yeah, that, yeah, but even, even because of that... I don't think anyone could afford to buy them, but you know, Barcelona are in financial trouble. Real Madrid also can't afford them. 
PSG are probably going to spend most of their money to try and keep Kylian Mbappe and Neymar. So it's 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 finding a buyer on on, on form, but it's also finding a buyer just in general that they're approaching that age where it's 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 a one last big contract sort of thing. We've had Mohamed Salah speaking about it this week. So if it's 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 such a difficult one to to say. And I think it's also difficult to write Mane off after one bad season. You know, he's he's been he's been, you know, excellent for to four years, and he's had, you know, he's had issues with COVID. I think I think I think everyone's allowed, you know, a bit of a dip, and I wouldn't write wouldn't write Mane off too early. Um, Firmino is probably the only one that I think that has maybe had, maybe too long to to sort himself out. He's been you know really out of out of form for. The best part of twelve months now, and I think his lack of goals and assists. Obviously, he had that that fantastic season. I think it was what twenty seven goals in all competitions, and I think that might have you know portrayed him in a bit of a a bad light in Liverpool fans. In its in terms of that, Liverpool fans maybe expect him to be that clinical number nine. I think that was obviously an open performance from him in terms of goals scored, but I think his his lack of goals was was overlooked by the fact that he did make things tick. He didn't score as many, but he was the harpy to the team. But he hasn't been that for for the last twelve months. You, you you sort of question why is he in the team and what's he doing. So if it it's it's a tough one. And if if one had to go, it would off. I think it would be for me, you know, for me. But hopefully Liverpool can you know find on some good signings to to be able to keep the front three and and use them in different ways. I think that that's the next next step for Liverpool is to not have. The same from three, not have the same flat four three three. You know, I'd like to see a four two three one. I'd even like to see it if 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 you get a versatile centre back to switch to a to a three at the back system. Uh, Thomas Tuchel has, has implemented very well at Chelsea. It seems to be the best way to to break that low block down. I think Liverpool just need to try something different and and keeping that front three, but maybe using them in different ways could be the, could be the recipe to do so. Well, they've done it before, haven't they? Let's be honest with you. You're absolutely right. You don't press panic buttons. It has been a, a, a really... I mean, this season's been as disappointing as the last episode of Line of Duty, let's be honest. And that was disappointing. Um, it's just one of these things that we just need to get past. The only the only caveat I'd say on that is that there isn't going to be any rest period for most of these players. It's not going to be like, you know, go, you know, let's go to Centre Parks for three weeks and enjoy yourself, rent the bikes out. <laughs> uh, you've earned it. You know what I mean? You might not have earned enough money to pay for the bikes. But... Um, but they're not. I mean, as you know, we've got the Euro Championships coming up. We've got we've got a busy schedule of football. These players uh, are not going to be any necessarily any fresher than they are now. So you have to you have to hope that that that, that they can go away and kind of mentally prepare themselves. Because the one thing's for sure, they all really you can feel it in this Liverpool team. They just want they just want this season over, Joe, don't they? Yeah, I think so. I think we all do, and you can tell. I think. It's taken its toll. The players do. The manager does. I mean, but the faint hope of Champions League football is sort of slipping away. And yeah, I mean, I think everyone wants a break, a refresh. Look, let, let's be totally honest. Football is is rubbish, isn't it? You know, like I, I don't enjoy watching it. I don't enjoy this. There's no spectacle. It's like watching training sessions every week. And everyone who, you know, who watches football with me or used to is is feeling the same. Everyone to speak to about it. Nobody really enjoys this. You know, when we first went into lockdown, it was something of a novelty for a few games and then it quickly got boring and and now it's just, it's been a grim old year. And You know, roll on the last couple of games, there'll be some fans back. That would be great. And and then next season, hopefully more and more people can come back in, in larger and larger numbers and we can get a bit of normality back. And, and I think that will help Liverpool. I think 
you know, we've said it many, many times. They are a team that that connects well with their fans, and you know, I think people are quite rightly desperate to have that back. So, yeah, I think they just want the season to end. But you're absolutely right; they're not going to get a break. You know, take someone like Salah. There's the Olympics this summer, which yeah. I think Egypt have been pretty clear that they wanted to play in. There's the African Cup of Nations in January. Egypt, again, will want him to play in that. And then Liverpool is in between. Um, goodness me, you know, he could miss a hell of a lot of games if he plays in both of them. And on top of that, you know, I suppose if Liverpool end up in the in the Europa League, then that takes its toll. If they have to play qualifying rounds for that, that takes its toll. It's not going to get any easier. And that's why we talk about the squad players. And I think that's what it comes down to, is they, they need to make sure that they've got the right squad that can go again next season and, and that's going to be really tough and you know they need to make sure the likes of Virgil van Dijk Joel Matip and, and um, Joe Gomez are fully fit and ready to go again and that's perhaps why they're taking their time with them because you know van Dijk we've seen running a lot haven't we in the last few months but I think Klopp spoke recently in a press conference and says you know it takes a long long time he says he's only been running in straight lines you then have to, to get more lateral movement and stuff like that so they're probably taking their time because they know there's a lot of football to come and there's no point risking these people for what is a, a dire, dire season and the end of it. Yeah, absolutely right. And, and you know, even looking back, like you said before, Marcus and, and, and Joe, about being, about what Liverpool have to do, which is, which is, which is being, which be, is be clever in the, in the transfer market. I mean, I was very impressed with uh, St. Maximum for um, Newcastle and players like that are floating about. Um, uh, uh, he constantly, he was a constant threat on the ball. Very clever player. Whether they drift in and out of games, I don't know. But whether they drift in and out of games in the Liverpool team. But I think they're the kind of players that Liverpool will be looking to to try and um, to try and kind of inject a bit of pace back and a bit of. Uh, and it is the cat. Your cat's back, Marcus. Uh, Show he's makes an appearance. Uh, they're the kind of players they have to be kind of clever and, uh, 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 w- with their transfers don't they because they're the kind of players that they can probably get for a decent amount of money that can maybe do something in a Liverpool shirt Marcus yeah there's, there's obviously talk about you know the likes of Ollie Watkins and stuff like that but the nuance with, with all this increased TV money and, and these sorts of clubs having more money to spend is that you know, in in years gone by, Liverpool, Manchester City, Chelsea, United, because sort of, in a way, bully not not bully, but you know, when when the big clubs come calling with with a, with a big bag of money, clubs that we used to be powerless to resist, but now you talk about you know this fees being knocked about for the likes of Adama Traore, Pedro Neto at Wolves, like 55, 60 million. I mean, it's fees that Liverpool aren't going to play, aren't going to pay for a player who who. I mean, Jota was the exception because they obviously the sort of player that would fit into Klopp's system. But I think obviously Liverpool would be better served. You're looking to the foreign markets. I think that's where they're gonna they're gonna find players more and more in their price range, and that fits into that that sell to buy ethos. Because I mean, Rafinha at Leeds is another player who, who looks looks like he could fit into a Klopp system. But you know, Leeds signed him last summer for a hefty fee. So you think how much how much are they gonna accept for the, the player who's been there their start of the season? So it's. It's a it's a difficult one, and, and Liverpool are fortunate they've got a man like Edwards and a scouting team that can help find those gems. But I think the abroad market is something that Liverpool need to need to look into. But obviously, take into take into account you've got the Euros, which is going to drive player prices up if people play well. You've, then you've got you've got Afcon, which can obviously you know impact the season. If if you if you're looking at the likes of of Pats and Dacher from RB RB Salzburg, you've you're going to miss him for a crucial part of the season. So all these things have got to be taken into account and. 
it's a difficult one and, and you could think maybe Klopp's going to lean towards the academy more. I think Harvey Elliott's one that's got a chance of, of being a first team player next season, but perhaps there's a few more in the academy that can take the same road as Curtis Jones and you know step into that void of the squad players and help Liverpool out when they need it next season. Poetry in Motion on the Blood Red Channel. Let's move forward to what was going to be a Liverpool and Man United at Old Trafford clash. Um, you know, a lot of Liverpool fans talking about whether we're going to get fourth or not. I personally would rather we got seventh than fourth. Uh, if we're not going to get fourth, uh, I'd rather we bypass Europa League entirely. And and you know what? Get a domestic cup run going. Let's get an FA Cup run going. Let's let's put a bit more attention on something domestic. You, you know, the the the, um, the Europa League is is a nonsense. And 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 uh, I sincerely hope we get fourth, of course. But you know, we are shooting ourselves in our foot by the game. Um, and if we're not going to do it, I, I genuinely hope that we 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 don't get them them Europa places. One game that did go uh, awry, of course. Is the United game in Old Trafford for obvious reasons, um, Joe? I mean, what's been the rumours? What's been the rumblings uh, in the media and in the press about what happened at Old Trafford? Obviously, a thousand people got in. Um, you know, with it, with it, with it, obviously protested about the Glazers and stuff. Uh, what what's been the kick on on that? Have you heard anything about it? Has it made any kind of ripples? Is it what's what was the knock on effect of Liverpool? Well, I'm not sure in terms of the knock-on effect for Liverpool. You know, I think I don't think Liverpool fans are at, at, at the same stage as United fans. You know, I think the Glazers have put the club like Hicks and Gillette did, put the club in a hell of a lot of debt. I've, um, I mean, FSG have made some some big mistakes in terms of moral issues. The Super League was um, a good example of that, but I don't think it's quite at the levels of of, um, of Gla- the Glazers. But Spirit of Shankly released a statement, um, I think last night, um, saying that they've met, I think they met with Billy Hogan, the club's CEO, um, yesterday and, and put, put some proposals to him. Um, they want fan representation on the board, um, among other things. And I think that is a, you know, I don't know whether I expect Liverpool to do it, to be honest. Um, you know, I think, I hope they do. I think it would be a hell of a brave step and I think it would be, Really big gesture from FSG to show that they mean business. I know Chelsea have um, have agreed to put to have fans in board meetings, um, but Spirit Shankly have asked for a fan to be on the board and to have a deciding vote, which I think would be brilliant. I think it would just look. You know, we talk about the the fifty one forty nine rule in in Germany, and I don't think that that is feasible to come in here just because of how far gone we are with billionaire owners, but. Putting a fan on the board with a deciding vote would certainly ensure that fan groups are represented, that fan groups have a say in the way a club is run, and have a say in the massive decisions. And you know, all power to Spinner Shankly, they've done a great job, and I really hope that that does make some people at the club have a serious, serious thought about where they go next, because that could be a real game changer. And I'd love it if Liverpool stood up and, and made themselves counted and did something big like that, because then other clubs might follow. So, um, yeah, that'd be great. I mean, Marcus, I mean, it, it would be certainly, it would be a gesture that would go a long way to be, to mending some, to some bridges between fans and the owners, wouldn't it? You know, they have kind of, in the past, shown signs that they can do stuff like that. It would be a great gesture, wouldn't it, to say, come on board and, and yes, your vote does count and, um, and move forward. I don't know whether 
there is the trust there, and I don't know whether there is certainly a lot of trust issues st st still um, still to be resolved between fans and club and owners as well. But it, it certainly would be a, a, a move in the right direction, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, obviously there was a few protests on field, you know, calling for FSG out and that. But I think Liverpool fans need to realise that FSG aren't going anywhere. But it's also on FSG to start rebuilding that relationship that's you know been tarnished over the last couple of weeks. So I think I don't see it happening, but it would be like Joe said, a, ma a massive step, and it also sets a precedent for other clubs. And it would, it would certainly for me, it would it would repair some of the damage in the the Super League. You know, it's it. None of this, you know, apology video in a, in a in a room in Boston. It's it would it would be a real, you know, show of of we got things wrong. Let's put things right. And I think that would obviously be be well received by Liverpool fans. And it it would be a a a real step in the right direction for FSG. Not only because it, it shows that you know they've, they've truly learned the lesson, but it would also prevent them from making a similar mistake in in the future. If if there would have been one fan representation on the board for the DSL decision. It wouldn't have happened, and Liverpool would have been, you know, if everything had went the way it did, Liverpool would have been the only the only club to say no out of that top six Premier League clubs, and Liverpool are now and FSG would be be shown in a, in a light as oh, look what look what they did, they rejected the, the greed and whatever of the Super League from for PR standpoint, that's that's perfect for what FSG wants. So I think just going forward to to avoid an issue and you know have people putting flags on FSG out on on the Anfield you know Anfield Road gates and all that, then you want a fan representation, you know, they're not active in the city, they're not um, active at Anfield, they, they need someone who's, who's you know, li lives and breathes this club and a fan on the board is the way to do that, again, I don't see it happening, but it's the only real decision that could, you know, prove that FSG are willing to, to put things right um, in terms of actions rather than just a, an apology video. Yeah, and it, you know, it's it's... If there's one thing that we've learned from the from the from the Super League fiasco and the debacle, whatever you want to call it, is that um, football is eating itself, isn't it? And uh, you know, when Paris Saint Germain paid two hundred million for for Neymar, it's it, it, it set it into a different stratosphere. There's talk now with Haaland's agents that he's striving to try and make Haaland be the first million pound a week footballer. You know, if there's anything we need to take away from 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 any kind of. Um, link between fans and, and, and football and owners, there surely has to be some sort of wage cap being looked into into this game. I mean, I mean, this is fundamentally destroying football. And if you can think about a football on a million pound a week when, when we have, you know, NHS staff struggling to get a pay rise, just in this country alone, it's it's sickening, isn't it, Joe? I mean, do we not is there, is it is it beyond is it beyond reason that we could that we could globally Sit down as a footballer nation and say, "Look, we need to have a tier system. All right, have a tier system. Have a system where someone is on, you know, is capped at one hundred and fifty thousand pound a week. But that is your lot, and everyone hits that tier system. And there is no, there is a ceiling on on, on wages because it's getting ridiculous, isn't it? It feels that way. Yeah, my, my worry is that we're just too far gone now with things. You know, like like you said, that Neymar transfer sort of changed the game, didn't it? Because you know, I think in Spain they they paid his buyout, didn't they? In Spain they have these massive buyouts, two hundred million. That I think were designed that no one would ever be able to buy out. But Paris Saint Germain changed the game with that. And yeah, I mean, like you think about these players, and you think you know they they already make a hell of a lot of money from sponsorship deals, from boot deals, from, from all of the things. You know, million pounds a week wages is just that's just bonkers, isn't it? 
Um, you know, wage caps tend to get short shrift, you know, whenever they, they, they're sort of addressed. But, you know, I think it would, again, go some way to sort of trying to bring players closer to the, the fans, that, you know, that they represent. And, you know, but it's got to come from... This is the difficulty for me with football is that, you know, FSG, for example, won't make big changes to the way they operate until other clubs make big changes because they're so scared of falling behind, aren't they? You know, if FSG say, you know, we'll have a fan on the board and they get to to, to make decisions and then Man City carry on as normal and carry on spending big and doing whatever the hell they like, then FSG would be scared that we fall behind. And we as, as fans want to see the best players. So then we demand the best players. We demand, you know, I don't think it goes hand in hand to, for fans to want certain things, but then demand that, FSG spend 200 million in the summer on players. You know, there has to be a, a total look at football as a whole. And we have to accept that, you know, the transfer fees can't be as big. There has to be big, big changes. And I, and I just can't see that happening unless a bunch of big clubs like the 12 that tried to form the Super League, instead of trying to form a new league, sit together and agree that they will all make certain massive changes in the way that they run football and the way they run their clubs. But I just can't see it happening because I think there'll be one club that just doesn't agree and carries on and wants to win everything and wants to, to be the biggest they can be. So it's tough, but that's capitalism, isn't it? Well, it is, but even capitalism, it, you know, it, it needs a ceiling. It needs someone that has to go to. I mean, Marcus, Joe's just bang. I think it's a bang on point. What you do is you can you can turn around to these players and say, well, you can earn as much as you want privately. You can get you can get billion dollar endorsements if you want. If you want to hire a commercial team that can do that for you, that's great. But that doesn't affect the wages. Your wages in football are a certain level, and then you can go out and you can be the the face of FIFA, two thousand and whatever. You know, twenty twenty six. You can be the face of anything like that. Adidas, Nike, whatever you want to do. But you do that as a private negotiation with agents where but your football because that if anything else then means that they have they have they've got to try and show form better on the pitch because because they'll earn more in endorsements if, if, if we're going to be if we're going to be you know that mercenary about it but just this idea that that we are on the fringe of a player that could be on a million pound a week because that ultimately then does this thing of like well man city who who is going to stop man city and i know that leicester won the league and i know that liverpool won the league but you know they are few and far between when it comes to what we potentially are going to be watching, um, which is, you know, season in, season out, bar the odd season, but, you know, domestic and European dominance because they can sign bigger checks. Yeah, and I think, obviously, the the ESL, like, proposals were ludicrous, but I think, I didn't read too much about it, but I think salary caps um, were mentioned, you know, as part of a, a longer term vision for like those sorts of clubs following that NFL American model, which possibly for the wrong reasons, more more less so in the fact of, you know, stabilizing, you know, football finance is probably more in the fact of more money in the owners' pockets. But I think something something similar to the, the NFL model of, of salary caps and, and you know, team wage caps needs does need to be brought in. I think like like Joe said, the Neymar deal blew everything out the water and you've got players like Killing and Bappe. You know, he's approaching one year left on his contract. You, you talk about clubs trying to, you know, assign a generational talent. They just if there's no there's no cap, then they're just going to throw stupid money at him. And then when one when one club throws money at him, it forces the other club to to raise the hand. You've got Aiden, like Minerayola, just dominating 
the world of transfers, you know, demanding to Manchester United, a club of, you know, such history and, you know, standing in the world game that they set a, that he wants a sell on fee for um in his Manchester United contract, which is just just ludicrous. And and United rightly walked away from the Haaland deal because that would have just set a another ridiculous precedent for football. But but unfortunately that is that is the way it's going and at the minute it looks like nothing's gonna change. It is sickening, really, isn't it? Because it, 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 it is preposterous when you think about it. Poetry in motion on the Blood Red Channel. When I look at football's kind of ruined for me now, anyway. I mean, VAR has absolutely killed. It's killed it for me. It's killed just this pause, this wait. Was that onside? Was that offside? Is that hit his hand? Did he mean to hit his hand? Is his hand in a, in a position that could have. I mean, all this nonsense, all this. Psychos, you know, this the scientific rubbish <coughs> that is just ruining the game anyway. Um, but it just seems to me that this whole idea that you know, I, I've been reading for the last two seasons Liverpool's potential signing of Mbappe, and never in a million years is that going to happen. Haaland, Haaland's links with Liverpool yet again, day after day after day after day. Haaland, Haaland, we're not getting Haaland, we're never going to get Haaland. We're never going to get Mbappe. We're never. We'd be lucky to get Sancho. All these players that were linked to it. It's just nonsense, and it's nonsense primarily because we can't afford them. One thing I think America do get right, certainly in the basketball, is the is the is the uh, the draft. I think the draft's a great idea. Getting br- potentially brilliant players and giving them to a potentially a, a team that needs them more than the ones who've already got a team full of brilliant players. This idea of sort of spreading, e- even if it's only for a couple of seasons, and then they can buy off. This idea that you can you can be a, a club, a, a lowly club, but but can draft a huge player that can that can turn your season around is a very interesting concept. I don't want to embrace a lot of American stuff, but that would kind of open the game up a lot more than our oh, rights of city bought them again. Then, or do you know what I mean? It, it's it's we have to sort of try and get some sort of common sense back into the game, don't we, Joe? Yeah, I've got to be honest. I don't, I don't love the draft. I don't. I just don't really. I don't follow American sports, so someone can is happy to correct me. But I don't really get how it works. You know, I don't. So what? So like, I don't know. Norwich can draft Salah. But what if Salah doesn't want to go and live in Norwich? You know, um, no, no, no offense to Norwich, you know, and but you know what I mean. I, Who said Salah wants to live in Liverpool, mate? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, well, I know, but he at least gets that choice, doesn't he? And that, that's I don't really understand the draft. I must admit. Um, and I, how does that work in terms of? You know, I guess in America, you you're not exactly going to go abroad, are you, and, and play play abroad? So no, it's a completely different concept. And I'm 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 talking more than I'm to, I'm talking more in the sense of trying to trying to even up the goalposts to use a football I, I, expression. It's a difficult one, isn't it? But you are going to get with City. You know, City will go in that way and going that way, and then Liverpool turned up with a, with a, with certainly with some big signs, but nowhere near City signs. Yeah. But what do City do? They go and spend a quarter of a billion since we win the Champions League. So do United. So it's they haven't changed the format and then they're back on the pitch. I, I take your point. It's, it's difficult, isn't it? I don't know how, you know, distribution of TV money, could that be could that be handed out better? But then the problem with that is the likes of FSG and, and the Glazers want Liverpool and Manchester United to receive more TV money because they drive more viewers. So... It's it's just so difficult, and I don't know how you solve any of these problems. You know, it, have these not been problems that go back years and years? You know, Liverpool were dominant in the seventies and eighties. You know, but they're still the team that spent the most at times as well. So, I don't know. You know, I, I think it's 
it, football has a lot of soul searching to do in it. And certainly the Super League showed up how much power these clubs have and how, how much power them fans then subsequently had. And I think now it's, a, it's up to big clubs and their fans to re-engage and try and do a bit of soul searching. And I do hope that, you know, Liverpool seriously consider Spirit Shankly's proposals and, and maybe if more things like that can come in, they can start just slowly getting a bit of power back um, because it just feels like it's too far gone and it is just a money game now and the clubs with the most money win a load of trophies, don't they? So, I don't know, but has it ever been thought? I don't know. Well, whatever happens, guys, I mean, we have, we obviously, I don't know what the outcome of the um, of the protest on Sunday is going to be. I don't know whether you guys can shed any more light on it. I mean, I, I don't know whether there's going to be a points deduction for United. I don't know whether the points are going to be given to Liverpool. I don't know whether the game is just going to be whether they can, whether they can, they, they can put the game on again. I mean, we've got four games in May uh, to end the season. We've got Southampton at home on Saturday. Then we got West Brom uh, the following Sunday. Burnley on the nineteenth, which is the Wednesday after the Sunday, and then Crystal Palace at home on the twenty third of May. So we've got four games in May alone um, to uh, to try and to try and to try and work out without. The Man United fixture. Does anyone know? Do you know, Marcus? Do you know of, of what's happening over that, or anyone? I I can't say that I do. I also know that Manchester United have also got you know their whole their fixture schedule is just as packed of ours with you know the Europa League potential yeah. final and stuff like that. So it's just, it's a difficult one. But again, I think that a lot of responsibility that responsibility has to be placed on on the Premier League too for devising this you know I know they wanted to fit the Euros in but this the whole the whole season schedule has been just ridiculous you know playing games every you know God knows when every three or four days it's going back to what we were saying earlier about the players not having a rest the, the Premier League you know the TV schedule hasn't helped either I know there's it was obviously you know extremely difficult after the delay and the restart and you know, when you start the season. But I think, you know, the, the Premier League haven't helped and Everton's game against Aston Villa has only just been rescheduled and that was cancelled, what, months ago? So I think the Premier League also need to need to take some of the blame for the whole, like, fixture chaos, really, and, you know, the fatigue and lack of, lack of just regard for the players' well-being, both physically and mentally, really. And in terms of what we were saying before about the finances, I think the Premier League and UEFA need to need to do more to, to solve that. You know, FFP was 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 seen as the saviour as you know level on the playing field, but the, the whole FFP proposal was as much as a joke as the ESL was really, and and City ripped that to bits in court and, and rightly so because I think it does set a dangerous precedent. Uh, although you know the the message is, you know the the whole aim was was right as in level on the playing field, but I also don't agree that, you know, if you're an owner of a team, you spent, you know, a billion pounds to, to acquire a team that you shouldn't be able to put your own money into into building that team. And I think that, you know, you look at Man City, you know, where they were and what they have been, I, I don't I think that should be encouraged. You know, if you buy a football team, you should be able to build it into whatever you want, but it's just level on the playing field to so that other clubs can do that too, you know, regardless of having a, a state owned state owned owner. Yeah, the problem with that is they can't and 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 I, I I can't I couldn't I couldn't disagree more, mate, on the sense of what Man City have done. What Man City have done with development of, fo- of a football club is fantastic, and the development of the stadium and development of Apple. But if you, you 
if they're just throwing money at players left, right, and centre, and they've got a, a billion quid's worth on the bench, I don't think it's right to turn around and say, "Well, that's all right, you can do it as long as everyone else can do it." Well, that doesn't, they can't. So it's not about saying you're all right to do it. Everyone else just has to catch up. Then they can't. They can't. You can't get a Norwich to do that. You can't get a Fulham to do that. You can't get most. In fact, there's only one team that can. It's probably Chelsea could maybe catch up with them. Um, so it, it is for me. It's about leveling it, but you have to level it by by imposing restrictions on the ones that can do it and yeah, trying to level it out to the ones that can't. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, either way, look, guys, we are we are currently seventh in the league. I think we're seven points behind Chelsea in fourth place with a game in hand. Um, as I say, I mean, I, just the way Liverpool are playing, they're not inspiring any kind of um, confidence from me. Um, <laughs> but uh, we have Southampton, we have West Brom, we have Burnley, we have Crystal Palace. You would normally say, you know, if that was you run into a league title, uh, on not on current form, but on Liverpool's past form, you'd be absolutely rubbing your hands together at that, wouldn't you? Um, two home, two away. Um, but uh, it's whether or not that's enough anyway. I don't know whether the United game is ever going to get fitted in. I can't see it getting fitted in. I don't know what's going to happen there. It would be quite funny if we end up getting fourth point, uh, fourth place by two points um, and three of those points are given to us by a game we never played. But um, wouldn't that be hilarious? But absolutely in keeping with this Utterly bonkers season. Um, onwards and upwards. I apologise if you listen to this and you think, where was the analysis of Liverpool Football Club? There wasn't any because we haven't played. Um, we did briefly talk about the, new, the Newcastle game, but to analyse that would be to like sticking pins in your eyes. So you, you might as well just... I think it's more important to talk about what's happened in the upcoming days since that. Um, and then hopefully with one eye on finishing off this league. So um, that's the, probably the best we could do with what we had. There's, there isn't a lot to talk about within the Liverpool team It's without getting really frustrated. Um, onwards and upwards then. Let's just quickly before we go, let's have your predictions for Southampton away, a team we have history with one way or the other. Um, we play them on Saturday at uh, quarter past eight. It's a late kickoff. Um, do you think we can sneak that one? Obviously, they beat us in... Um, and Anfield with a single Danny Ings goal, Joe. I'd say Mary's and it was it's at home on Saturday. Um, oh, sorry, you know yeah, sorry, yeah. The way what well, what you've just said is in the past you go yeah yeah those five games look good, but the way Liverpool are playing they'll probably go one 0 up and concede another equaliser, won't they? So missed know. twelve chances and then concede. Yeah, them. I still think they'll sneak it one 0 something like that, but. It won't be pretty. <laughs> with said with all the confidence and enthusiasm yeah. you could muster there, Joe. <laughs> yeah, uh, Marcus? Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's obviously going to be a difficult game and I think Hassan also, you know, pressing style is obviously going to be difficult but you just you just hope that that there's a turning point. I know we've been saying this for weeks but you just hope that, you know, there's a, there's a Liverpool, the Liverpool of old turn up for at home and, you know, hopefully this weekend is the weekend that the Liverpool of old turn up and we put three past Southampton and go on to win the last four games and then, you know, an unlikely top four after being given three points for a game that never took place against United. That's the dream scenario. I'd have believed you only a black cat walked in front of you before. It was your cat. (laughs) Listen, Mane, this is Mane's game. I've been saying this for the last four months. Mane's game. Mane's back. Uh, Let's hope so. Let's, you know what? We can only think positive, can't we? It's the best thing to do. We've been amazing. This is a hiatus. um, And we are going to become amazing again. And we just have to just keep the faith with the Reds, don't we? Uh, And hope that we get three points and move on from there. Joe Rimmer, thank you very much, pal. Onwards and upwards, brother. 
Uh, and I'll speak, speak to you soon, mate. And Marcus, thanks again. Marcus Banks and Joe Rimmer. Uh, thanks, everyone. Uh, just keep the faith it is the motto, is the maxim. Uh, it's what we've got to do, isn't it? Um, it's not pretty this season, but let's get it out the way. Let's let's put a mask over this city as quickly as possible, or over this over this season, sorry, and uh, and let's start again afresh. But uh, onwards and upwards, Southampton uh, is the next game, and fingers crossed for three points. This has been Poetry in Motion with me, Neil Fitz, Marcus Banks and Joe Rimmer. See you all again soon. You've been listening to the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel.